0: Hebrews 10, Hebrews 10. So if you go back towards the back of your Bible, um, Hebrews 10 is where we're going to be today as you're turning there and getting settled. Uh, I do want to thank our worship team, uh, all of our worship team, those who are here and those who are not. Uh, We have uh, a lot of God-given, gifted, talented, uh, not only just musicians who happen to lead worship, but they are people who love to be able to help us as a church walk into the presence of God and walk in with a worshipful heart um, the music that is chosen is intentional, and they use their gifts and talents to help us to worship God. So thank you for everybody, especially um, the team who's been around for the last few weeks, as a lot of our band has been in and out with travels and holidays and such. So thank you everybody who has been helping make that a possibility. So, um, so obviously today marks the end of 2023. We uh, we got through it. Good job, guys. Nice job, team. Uh, and so if you are anything like me, man, 2020 like as I think about this year, it feels like a blur. But then when I start to really kind of dive into what we went through, what this year has been, for me, is a lot of ups and downs, right? There's, it's that mix of, of joy and hardship and struggle and encouragement, and it's all kind of tied together in one big blur. Um, but here we are. We got through another year, and we are knocking on the door of a new one begin and i I love this time i love this this new year's eve into new year's day and the the freshness the the newness the possibilities and we can daydream you know what will this upcoming year be like what will we experience what are the things that we're going to take from from 2023 what are the things we want to take and we want to change we want to grow in what are the things that we really like about how we responded in 2023 what are the things we are growing in and want to take into 2024 and keep with us There's a a lot of potential, right? There's a whole brand new year ahead of us. And for some, that's kind of overwhelming. It's overwhelming possibilities that lay before us. And so this morning, regardless of how you feel about ending one year and walking into a new one, I want us to sure up some truths and realities to help keep us grounded and encouraged throughout this upcoming year. Because the more I think that we can rest and ground ourselves in what we know about who God is, and who he has made us to be, the more natural it will be for us to live out our identity in him. So this morning, I want to boil down these ideas to two basic categories, privileges and plans. Privileges and plans. When we know and embrace the privileges given to us by God, it helps, us, it helps to shape and helps us to walk into the plans laid out for us by God. So privileges and plans are what we're going to talk about this morning. I'm going to pray, and then we will jump into uh, Hebrews 10. So if you can uh, bow your heads and close your eyes and uh, pray with me. God, we thank you for this morning, for this opportunity to gather, to worship, to celebrate you, to enjoy you. Now we thank you for another year with all of the. Good, bad, and in between the ups and downs, the hard, the good, the fun. You have been with us this whole time. You have walked with us. You have guided us. You have challenged us and encouraged us. Even in those times where we felt alone and exhausted and overwhelmed, we know you weren't. You didn't go anywhere. We know you didn't hide yourself from us. You were with us. as we think about possibilities and we make plans and resolutions and and dreams about what the upcoming year might be, we do so humbly knowing that if above all and beyond everything else, we have to fix our eyes on you. We have to focus on you because if you're not involved, if we're not seeking after your will, whatever it is that we have planned, whatever we dream of, it's not going to work. You've told us. You said that if we seek after you, everything else falls in line. If we make the first things the first things, if we make you the priority. Everything else, you will take care of us. God, help us to be a people who believe that and live that way. That we fix our eyes, we fix our hearts and minds on you. And we run toward you, trusting you're going to take care of us as we open your word this morning, I pray that you would um, move in us, challenge us, encourage us. As I preach this morning, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be glorifying to you. We pray these things because of Jesus and in his name. Amen. So we're going to be in Hebrews 10 this morning. We're going to start in verse 19. I'm going to read a section and then we'll uh, jump back in and talk about it. So Hebrews 10, starting in verse 19. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day draw near. Privileges and plans is what we're going to get into this morning, but before we kind of jump into that, we have to first look at really those opening words that we see there in verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since. It seems disjointed, doesn't make any sense, I know, but we got to focus on these three words for a minute. Because when you see a therefore in the Bible, it makes us ask the question, what's the therefore, therefore? Usually it is a directive to go back and get the full context of what the writer is talking about. Right? Therefore is a turn in the conversation. I've made all these points, I've said all these things, therefore, in light of that, whatever is coming next. And here, if we were to do that, if we were to take this therefore right here, what we'd have to do is really go wide and say, what's the book of Hebrews about? The book of Hebrews is about a phrase, that phrase being Jesus is better. The writer takes multiple concepts and ideas and understandings that the Jewish people held on to and points to how Jesus is not only the fulfillment of those things, but how he is the better version. The law, the prophets, all of it points to Jesus and his exceedingly abundant power, grace, and mercy. And so once you have that big idea in mind that Jesus is better from, you would go then into chapter four where the writer begins to talk about how Jesus is the greater high priest advocating for us to God. And he carries that thought all the way through even into chapter eight where the writer addresses the reality that Jesus brings with him a better covenant between us and God, a better relationship between us and God and how he goes about doing that through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. All of that brings us to this point and we don't have to dig much deeper into it because we're going to get to it in a minute but that just kind of gives you a general idea of where we're at at this point and so therefore brothers you heard me read it as i read the scripture you might as well say brothers and sisters it's a colloquialism it's siblings it's all y'all it's fellow believers it's the family of god he is writing to christians to those who have put their faith in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. And that's important because the writer is going to lay out the privileges of being a child of God, and those privileges, that access and blessing that comes with that, are not for all of creation. All people, regardless of what you believe, what your background is, all people are made in the image and likeness of God, but not all people are children of God. And these privileges that we're going to talk about are reserved for those who have put their faith in Christ. It also reminds us not only of our identity in Christ as the children of God, as the sons and daughters of God, but also our identity in Christ as the family of God. This is family. And family is important. We have been brought together by the providence and direction of God. And it is a gift, it is a privilege to be in covenantal relationship with other people who are different than you. And this idea of the family of God goes beyond just the local church. Yes, we as CF are a family into itself, but we are also have brothers and sisters around the city, are at, New Life, at New Life West Lakeview, at Addison Street Community Church, at Holy Trinity. We have other churches, we have brothers and sisters around the city, around the country, around the world. That it is the family of God. This is family, and family is important. Being part of a church, it is an opportunity to learn and grow and be challenged. And sometimes that challenge comes from the fact that we are growing together. We're learning how to do this together, and we are not perfect. Not individually and not as a collective unit. And so we are not always going to make the right choice the best choice. It is not always easy to be part of a family. We're getting through the holidays. All of us can probably testify to that to some degree. Family can be hard to deal with. We say and do things that can annoy and offend even. And usually when it comes to family, it is family who knows the red button to push to offend the hardest and the worst. But family at its core is supposed to be able to love beyond those things. And I know that's not always the case. And even in Christian community, it is not always the case. Because we are flawed. We still wrestle with our sin nature. We will sometimes choose our way over God's way and we forget. And we lose sight and we forget that God has made us to be a family and not just a family, but his family. And the way that we love one another as the children of God is to reflect God to the world. Jesus said it in John 13. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's interesting. He says not they will know by the way you love them, by the way you serve them, by the way you take care of them. No, he says they will know you are mine by the way you take care of one another. By the way you sacrifice and serve and come alongside and strengthen and build up. And commit to one another that if we're doing this if we're intentional to strengthen and love the community god has given us it will inevitably overflow into the world that they may know and see the love of god in and through us which also means we have to be ready to welcome in new family as well as sometimes say goodbye to others that idea is the part of the dna of cf we welcome anyone seeking rest and we send out people to follow the call of God on their lives. Being a church in Chicago means that we will always have some who come and some who leave. That is the nature of being in a city like Chicago. But we cannot allow this reality to create within us a hierarchy of importance or value based on tenure. When it comes to the church, when it comes to the local church, I think we would be really well served to, Adopt the motto of Olive Garden. When you're here, you're family. And also unlimited breadsticks are awesome. That might be something we look into in 2024. This idea that when we're together, regardless of how long, regardless of who it is when they come to be part of the local church, they're family. It means we love and care and serve and support as such the best we can for as long as we can. It's a privilege and a gift that God has made us as humans to be a people who long for and strive for and thrive in community. He has given us the desire and ability to thrive when we are sharing our lives with others and supporting and encouraging one another. We are a family bonded and united by the reality that we know we are not perfect. We need help and we are ever growing and being shaped by God. So the writer of Hebrews says, look, in light of all that I've talked about with Jesus being this better high priest, you as the family of God. Pay attention to what's coming next because you are the family of God since you are the family of God. And I told you we didn't have to dig too deep into the background of Hebrews because this since that is right here, this third word in the passage is really he's going to sum up basically everything he's written in the last few chapters. And I want you to hear 19, 20, and 21 again. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, we'll stop there. These three verses give us those privileges I was talking about. Privileges that we have been given as the children of God. And they're really a summation of what he has already been writing about in the earlier nine chapters. Privilege number one, we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Confidence, or some translations say boldness. An assurance of belonging. When you leave your house and you come back home, and you walk into your home, you don't walk in with trepidation or worry, but with confidence. Why? Because it is yours. You belong there. But if you're invited to somebody's house for the first time, you knock. You ring a doorbell. You wait to be let in. And then you do that awkward dance of, do I have to take my shoes off? Things like where you sit at the dining room room table or where the bathroom is. All of those things you're a little more cautious about because it's not your home. It's not your living space. You lack an assurance of belonging. That can develop over time, but that first time you walk in, you lack an assurance of belonging. This is not the case for the Christian when it comes to the presence of God. In the Old Testament, in the tabernacle and in the temple, there was a place set up in the the whole space of worship. There was a place set up called the Holy of Holies. It was located behind a big, thick curtain that went from the ceiling all the way to the floor. No one was allowed back there. It was set apart. It was a special spot. It was where the presence of God dwelt. The only time some human was allowed back there was once a year. A priest could go there on the Day of Atonement, and even then, he had to go through all kinds of ritualistic cleanings and sacrifices just to allow him to walk behind this curtain. One guy could go once a year on behalf of the people. There was a limitation. There was a physical, actual barrier between people and God. But the writer of Hebrews says, because of Jesus, we have complete and total access to God. Any time, any place, any moment, anything we want to bring to him and to talk to him about, we have access and ability to do so. Once you place your faith in Jesus And are adopted into the family of God. We have a unique relationship with him. One that allows us to call him father. To call him dad. One that allows us to go with confidence before the throne. One that not only allows us but encourages us to be able to go to him with any and everything. We have now a new kind of intimacy we didn't have before. The kind of intimacy where if you're a parent and you have a child. And they call out for you in the middle of the night and it's 3 a.m. and you're exhausted and you hear on the monitor, you hear down the hall, mom, dad, I need you. You get out of bed and you go and you find out they drop their stuffy or their blanket is tangled or they just want a sip of water or they just are awake for some reason and they just won't go back to sleep. But you show up. You do it anyway. You take care of them in that moment because you love them and care for them. And that kid, when they call out to you, They don't think twice about it. They don't contemplate the ramifications. They just know they need help, and they're going to call the person they want to help them. They're going to call mom. They're going to call dad. There's no hesitancy for them. There's no wondering what kind of mood mom or dad is in, whether or not my request is important enough. They just do it, and because of the love and passion and commitment and care you have for your kid, you go and you help. So, too, we have the ability to call out to our Heavenly Father, no matter what the problem, no matter what the good, no matter what the bad, no matter what the situation. We call to him, and no matter what it is, no matter what the solution needed is, he's going to respond. Because we have this new relationship, this new access, this new intimacy, and understanding through the Spirit to be able to call to Dad and to relate to him in that way. Things are different now. We have been given a privilege to have this new intimate relationship with God. And with it gives us a confidence to call out to him. And this happens not of our own doing, not of our impressive stature or nature, but by the blood of Jesus, by the sacrifice of Jesus. His death on the cross gives us new life, new identities, new privileges as the children of God. The writer says he opened the curtain. In Matthew 27, as Jesus is being executed, as he is dying on the cross, in Matthew 27, it says, Behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This curtain that separated people from the holy of holies, from the presence of God, this thing that physically physically separated people from God was removed when Jesus died. And I love this quote by Charles Spurgeon when he talks about it. Spurgeon, wrote, Spurgeon said this, For believers, the veil is not rolled up but rent that's torn. The veil was not unhooked and carefully folded up and put away so that it might be put in its place at some future time. Oh no. But the divine hand took it and rent it from top to bottom. It can never be hung up again. That is impossible. Between those who are in Christ Jesus and the great God, there will never be another separation. When Jesus' body was torn apart, so too was the barrier that was that was torn apart between us and God. Christ's death and resurrection made a way where there was no way, removed the barriers, the hindrances, and obstacles, and invites us to come to God with anything and everything, always. It is a privilege. We have a confidence to go to God, and that is a privilege. Privilege number two in verse 21. Since we have a great priest over the house of God, Jesus is not only the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is also the high priest who covers us and advocates for us and is our mediator. As the great high priest, Jesus isn't just stepping into a role from the Old Testament. But what he does is what the book of Hebrews has been teaching us. Jesus is better. He does it better. He is greater than the role and the entire system. The high priest was the one in charge of worship, in charge of making sure your sacrifices were done correctly, making sure the temple ran smoothly, making sure people were adhering to the law. They were the go-between between God, between people and God. It is Jesus that reconciles us to the Father, Jesus that forgives our sins, Jesus that covers us in his perfect righteousness through the shedding of his blood, and it is Jesus who is right now actively interceding to the Father on our behalf. And so the writer of Hebrews says, all of that, that's a privilege. It's a privilege that we have this one who is for us, who made a way and is actively on our side as our advocate. And since we have the privilege of confidence to go to God, and since we have the privilege of a great high priest reconciling us to the Father, since we have these things, the writer moves on and he says, let us then live like we have them. Let's live as those who have been given a privilege. Live in response to those things. See, the message of the gospel is not just, hey, do better. Hey, you were saved. Great. Now you have to go and be perfect. Now you have to go and try and have it all together all the time. Now you've got to fix yourself up. you got to clean yourself up. And you got to have a smile on your face all the time. Don't let anybody think anything's wrong ever. That is not the message of the gospel. No, the message of the gospel is that God made a way. God has done the work. God has saved you. God has redeemed you. God has forgiven you. God is for you and continues to be with you. He continues to pursue you and strengthen you and protect you. And when we realize this, when we are able to ground ourselves in this, let it feed and nourish our souls. Then out of joy, out of thanksgiving, out of grace and rest and peace, we have res- the grace and, pe- grace and rest and peace that we have received, then we respond. Not with a we have to do this, but rather a we get to do this mentality out of joy. And so out of the privileges that we have been given by God comes a plan a way to respond, the plan for response, the plan for community, hopefully bringing and helping us make a plan for what 2024 can look like. And so he says in verse 22, plan number one, let us draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. In light of all God has done and response should be to know him better he has shown he is good he has shown he is faithful and just and perfect and righteous so why wouldn't we want to know him better it's human nature we want to be around good people we want to be around people who build us up we want to know those people better pastor chad at new life has become he is that kind of person as I've gotten to know him over the years more and more I want to be around him I want to spend time with him I want him to influence my life because he is the kind of person that encourages and builds up and strengthens those around us around him We have those people in our lives when we meet them and we just are drawn to them and we want to be around them because they bring goodness with them and they lift up the people around them God is he is the epitome, he is the call. he is the originator of good. So spend time with him to know him better. And the instruction here in verse 22, it isn't even show up and work. Show up and do better, show up and be the smartest in the room, show up and crush it. Show up and know everything, show up and have it all together. No, it's just show up. Draw near. Show up to God, pursue him, enjoy him, know him better. He's inviting you to himself. He's inviting you to know him deeper. And you can do that with the full assurance of faith, full confidence that God has punished our sins through Jesus' death on the cross and forgiven those sins. And we stand now in right relationship with God with access and rights that belong to us as the children of God. Because of the privileges we have, we can pursue him. We can draw near to him. Our hearts are sprinkled clean. We didn't do that. We can't do that. We needed God to do th- to do that. That's David's cry in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. A right heart, a pure heart. A heart that desires what God desires. A heart that longs for the things that God longs for. Not the dark and wickedness it once did. Give me new longings, give me new desires, give me love, new love. That's what God does for us when our faith is in Christ. And so with confidence, God has accepted us as his children. And because we have been accepted, we have a clean heart. The writer says we have a clean heart and a body washed with pure water, an allusion to baptism. While baptism doesn't save us, it is the outward side of the inward cleansing that God has done in us. Show up near what is stopping you the hindrances have been removed the hurdles taken down the path made straight and clear what is stopping you christian from walking that path to knowing god more and more and again this is not a okay i have to do this it should be an i get to since God did all the work and provided you the privileges, you have the chance to draw near to God, the God who has proven himself time and time again, that he is good, that he's for you, that he loves you, and he wants to know you better, and he wants you to know him better. We take for granted the access that we have to God in prayer, the access we have to God in his word, the access to God we have in gathering together. God made a way. He showed up on earth. And he is inviting you, just show up. Just come and be with me and spend time with me and I promise I will take care of you. I promise you will leave rested. I promise you will leave filled up. Draw near and show up. This wouldn't be here if it wasn't good for you and if it didn't matter. God doesn't give frivolous instructions, right? There is no busy work as a Christian. This is important. It's got value and worth, not only because it is good for you, but because we live in a world that is not good for us. We live in a world that is exhausting and overwhelming, and we need encouraging, strengthening, building up. We need all of that. And we can get all of that when we spend time with God. You look around at the status of the world right now, and you take it all in, and for many of us, like the only response can be just like an exhausted sigh of helplessness at times. What a time and reason to pursue the giver of life, the provider of rest, the beginning of knowledge, peace, hope, love, and mercy. It is when our cup is empty that we must get up and go to the well and, be, and drink and be renewed. We live in a world that lands most often somewhere between total indifference to Christianity and wanting to just kill us all off. We usually aren't that popular, which makes for a very exhausting life to lead if we're actually committed to following the faith we claim to have. In the midst of that, draw near, God says. Draw near to the bottomless well of rest and grace found in relationship with God. Let us draw near. And we're going to need to draw near so that we can do the next thing that he talks about in verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. Let us hold fast. You want to build a house? You got to lay a firm and level foundation. You want to run a race? You got to stretch, train, eat, and drink right. You want to make a good meal? You got to buy the right ingredients, have the right tools. You want to hold fast to what you believe in? Draw near to God. Get filled up on God and his presence and what he provides so that when, not if, but when, you are challenged, attacked, and overwhelmed by this world, you will be able to remain steadfast, endure, and continue on. Hold fast without wavering because you know the one who started this whole thing, both all of existence and your status as child of God, that one, he is faithful. He is with you and for you and will strengthen and lift you and hold you up. The Bible, when God makes a promise, he gives you the reason. He doesn't just say go, but he says go and trust that I'm going to provide for you. He doesn't just say hold fast. He doesn't just say endure, but he says endure knowing then trusting that I have got you, that I am faithful to get you through it, that he is with you and for you and will strengthen and lift you up and hold on to you. Look, none of us have any idea what's coming for us in this new year. We live in a city that is trying to figure out its own identity, trying to quell violence, trying to welcome those in need while also taking care of those who are already here. We're walking into an election year at a time when the political landscape of the country is rocky at best. Life continues to go on. Sickness and death and heartache and suffering and unrest and frustration, these are part of our normal life. And I don't say all of that to be a bummer, but rather to say we shouldn't be surprised that at some point in this upcoming year, we will be challenged to waver from our faith, to lessen your grip on the hope that you have. All the more reason to draw near, to be filled by knowing God, trusting God, and enjoying God. We can hold fast. We can stand firm when our foundation is in Christ. This notion of, you become a Christian and life gets easy. You're protected from all the issues of the world. It just works out for you. It's really the complete opposite of everything the Bible has to say. Psalm 119, it is good for me that when I, that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Isaiah 43, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. 1 Peter 3, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. These verses are not Hay. In case this weird anomaly of hardship happens to you, here's some instruction. No, it says, when this happens, when you're walking through fire, when the rivers are raging, God will be with you and strengthen you. So hold fast, endure, press on, and continue. Because he who is promised is faithful. Faithful to keep his promises. So we get to draw near to God. He invites us into his presence to fill us, strengthen us, and encourage us. And we need it because life is hard and dark and messy and exhausting, and we need something to cling to in order that we might endure and hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. That thing we cling to is the gospel, is Christ and his love for us. And it's an intentional decision that we have to make on a daily basis, moment by moment, to stay dedicated, to continue on, to pursue God, to choose him and his way over our ways, when we are with others and when we are alone. This clinging, this hold fast, it doesn't just happen. It doesn't just start on its own. It's a choice, one that we have to make over and over and over again. But we do so, and we can choose God over us. We can choose his way over our way. And when we draw near and know him deeper, because the more we know him, the more we can trust him, the tighter we can cling to the reality of our hope our hope that is in him. All of this is to be done not in isolation, not separated and siloed off, but rather together as a community, as the family of God. And that's the third plan. That's the third let us in verse 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us consider. Let us give intentional thought and consideration to stir up one another to love and good works. Life is hard, exhausting, and overwhelming. We have been given the gift of community and relationships to strengthen us, lift us up, and support each other. Let us intentionally look for ways and opportunities and places and situations where we can encourage where we can come alongside, where we can act as cheerleaders for one another and celebrate each other's victories. It's not if you happen to accidentally step into a nice moment, but instead let us consider. Be actively intentional to build up one another. Be intentional to engage with community around us. Be intentional to get to know people and to let them know you. To be actively part of the communities God has placed you in and put you in. Realizing that Sunday gatherings, community groups, church events, all of them are opportunities not only for you to be strengthened and encouraged and built up, but also for you to do those things for others. To strengthen and build up and encourage one another. We say it all the time here. You were saved from the wrath of God to be a blessing to others. To be a light in the darkness. To be a living stone to lift up and support other living stones. God has you where you are, living where you are and when you are, engaging with the people in your neighborhoods, your family, your work, your church family, all of these things, you are who you are, where you are, when you are, for a purpose, for a specific purpose designed by God. And that reason goes beyond what those communities can do to help you and encourage you and support you, but also what can you do to be a light and blessing and gift in those places you were blessed by someone else. That word of encouragement, that moment of comfort, that hug when you are overwhelmed, that prayer when you are at the end of your rope. We think fondly of the people who care for us, who are for us an oasis of peace. By being a person made for community and given community, you have the chance to be that for someone else. But the writer says it means you got to actually show up. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together because there were some at that time who considered the gathering of saints flippantly. They weren't enjoying it. They weren't celebrating it. They weren't engaging with it. They weren't making it a priority. It was an optional thing. It was a lifeless obligation. But in reality, the gathering of the family of God is an essential thing. It cannot be optional. We don't think about talk about it very much but we have brothers and sisters around the world who are doing exactly what we're doing gathering together to pray and to sing and to open God's word and study to be with others united in worship to be physically together with other Christians only they do it without microphones and lit up signs they do it in whispers and closets hidden away from the world Because if they are caught, if they are found, they are dead. And yet for them, in parts of the world, there are people who even under the threat of death, that is not enough to keep them from gathering together with God's people. The gathering of the family of God is an essential part of growth and development as the children of God. How are you going to be part of the body of Christ if you aren't part of the body? I've used this illustration before, but if you go to the barber and you get a haircut, the hair falls on the floor. And what happens? It gets swept away. It gets thrown out. Why? Because it's dead. The hair stops growing. It's not it has no more life in it because it was disconnected from the body. If you are disconnected from the body, you aren't going to grow. This notion that you can be a thriving Christian without being connected to a church body has no biblical grounding. When you disconnect from the body of believers, you are stunting your growth as a Christian. We are at our best. We are thriving when we are connected to one another. When we are in unity, when we are in community together, and one of the ways we connect is to actually be together because it provides a place of encouragement, challenge, and growth. It allows us to come alongside of each other. I'm holding you up, you're holding me up, we're holding the other person up. We strengthen one another, we love one another, we help one another draw near to God. We help one another hold fast in the midst of conflict. It's so much easier to keep going, to hold fast in the midst of hardship when you know you got other people holding you up. We encourage one another to love and good works. We do this together, not because we have to, but because we get to, and it's essential for our growth and strengthening as Christians. Like I said, we have no idea what this next year is coming, what it's going to be like. We don't even know how much of it we're going to get to see. When the writer says the day is drawing near, he's talking about the return of Jesus. We don't know when that is. We don't know if Christ is coming back right now. We also don't know how many days of our lives we have left. What we do know is we have right now. We have this. And if God allows for us to have tomorrow, then it's another opportunity, it's another chance to rest in the confidence of our access and relationship to God and to use that day as a chance to grow closer to him and encourage one another to grow closer to him. With a blank calendar year ahead of us, we see the desire within us for new and change and growth. It's just kind of natural, a natural response. So let's go into this year Prayerfully considering the privileges given to us by God through our faith in Jesus. And as we live into those privileges, may we live actively seeking to pursue and glorify God. My prayer is that we would grow in our confidence of who God is, who He has made us to be. May we develop a desire to know Him more, a desire to engage with God more, not because we have to but because we get to and he wants us to have a relationship with us and it is good for our souls may we live into the privileges given to us through jesus's life death burial and resurrection that we would live intentionally to the glory of god in 2024 and beyond let's pray heavenly father we thank you for this morning we thank you for this chance this gift to worship you, to celebrate you, to enjoy you. God, as we make plans and dreams and strategize about what we want this upcoming year to be, as I said before, God, we have to first fix our eyes on you, fix our eyes on the privileges Access that you have given to us. God, we thank you and we, we praise you for who you are, for what you have done to save us, to make a way where there was no way, to not only forgive us of for our sins, but invite us to be your children. You continue to bless us and bless us and bless us too often we respond by ignoring you, forgetting you, and running away from you. God, as we walk into this new year, let us walk in actively seeking to glorify you. To live like people who have been changed by the reality that God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins in our place. That we would live in response to the gospel that we cling to that has done so much for us, that has changed us and shaped us. God, as we live, as we live in a world that is broken and fallen and exhausting, God, we ask that you would never stop reminding us where life and rest and hope are found, that there is a a well that never runs dry, to seek after that well to be filled up so that we can pour out for others so that we can glorify you in the way that we live the way that we act the way that we love God as we walk into a new year we ask for your protection we ask for your provision give us ears to better clearly hear the Holy Spirit Give us the boldness to take steps when He tells us to move, to respond so that we might step into the good works you have laid out beforehand for us. 2024 has moments that you have already planned ahead, that you have been planning since the beginning of everything. You got moments for us to step into in this upcoming year. God, give us the humility to be able to do so. God, we thank you and praise you. Amen.